to me, okay, to me, ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, you know, that, my friend, is very hard to do and you have to train you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it it's there the expression of the human body I mean the f everything I mean you know not just the hand and when you're talking about combat well I mean if, if, it, if it is a sport now now you're talking about something else you have regulations yeah. you have rules but when you're talking about fighting as it is oh, rules. with no rules no, real fighting. well then baby you better train every part of your body I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like Big Dumb McCartney pulling me about, folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take this bed. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud of fighting you. For you. Don't bring the dog out of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did it. I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you gotta just keep on flowing. Aloha, Penn Nation, what's going on? You're now tuned in to another episode of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we have yet another great guest lineup for you this evening. Awesome conversations, awesome guests, some breaking news, some guys spitting fire, some analysis, a legend, an up-and-comer, and a current badass. So, three great guests, another awesome show, BJPenn.com Radio. We are the fighter's voice and the voice of you guys, the fans. Each and every Wednesday, we're live, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And every week, we try to bring you guys the best show possible. And tonight is no different. As I said, we're the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans. We appreciate all the love and support from you guys. No topic, too controversial. We try to stay unfiltered, unbiased, neutral, and give you guys the best of the business in regards to MMA news and interviews with some of the best talent in the spectrum of combat sports. As I said, great lineup. We'll get into that in just a second here. But BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news, like I tell you guys every week, we're your premier source for all the latest and greatest in the sport you love, your home for MMA news, 
Make sure you guys bookmark us, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. All the hot topics, the breaking news, the viral videos, exclusive content you crave, all of that in one place. Not to mention uh, technique videos, like I told you guys last week, and I'm going to continue to bring this up, but uh, we've got awesome instructional videos coming out every week or every day for that matter. Maybe not every day, but close to it. And those uh, technique videos are coming from some of the best best athletes in the game today. So BJPenn.com, guys. We're the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. And we greatly appreciate your support. Nobody else can claim that. It takes a lot of hard work to do this. And we got a great team behind us. So we love you guys. Like I said, go there now. Bookmark BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. And stay up to date on this wonderful sport of mixed martial arts. For sake of time, normally I would do a, do a, a recap of all of the news from the week, but for sake of time, guys, I don't want to cut off any, any of these interviews. So let's just get right into the guest list, and we'll jump right into things. The fighter's voice, the voice of the fans, BJPenn.com radio. Kicking things off, just a couple minutes here. UFC welterweight, all-around badass, fan favorite, top contender, former top contender, should be back to that former glory soon, the immortal one, Matt Brown. He's been on a hiatus, took some time off, wanted to let the brain heal, let the body heal, you know, following that, uh, that knockout loss to Donald Cerrone. You know, he had never been, never been knocked out before, and wisely, he chose to take some time out of the game, reignited his uh, desire to compete, and it sounds like he's about ready to get back in there. So we're going to get an update on, on his time off, how, how it was beneficial to him, what he's targeting for a comeback date, who he has his eyes set on, sights set on rather. And, of course, we're going to talk about all of MMA's hot topics or some of the hot topics uh, that are current in the news right now. So, Matt, the Immortal Brown, kicking off the show, first guest of the evening. Following Matt, be about 30 minutes or so after we start the Matt Brown interview. One of the biggest newsmakers in this past week or two, a guy you've seen all over the headlines. I, ca- I actually called him Triple C. Boxing has Triple G. We have Triple C in mixed martial arts. Kobe Chaos Covington. He made, he made headlines maybe not this past week, week before. Either way, it's been, it's been circulating. After Tyron Woodley said that he would expose the UFC following uh, Dana White's harsh criticism of him after UFC 214. Colby Chaos said that he has dirt on Tyron Woodley and would expose him. So while I won't drop any, well, I won't give any spoilers here. Of course we cover all of that. What's next for Colby? Fights he's looking at. Guys that are ducking him, quote-unquote. 
where he believes he uh, he falls in this division of really tough guys and uh, where he stands in, in, in line for title contention. And, of course, he calls out pretty much the whole division. He's fired up. It was a great interview. He's a good friend of the show. I know you guys will enjoy that one as well. Second guest of the evening, Colby Covington, the man they call chaos. Closing out tonight's show. Good friend of BJPenn.com. One of my favorite human beings, not just in the realm of combat sports, but in general. A legend, the UFC Hall of Famer, former King of Pancrase. Expert analyst, commentator, actor. He has many names, but his forte is combat sports. Of course, I'm talking about none other than El Huapo Bas Rubin. Great interview with him. It was a long one, but very entertaining. We'll get an update on, on what's going on with him, projects he has work, you know, in the works right now. And of course, every, more or less everything big in the news right now, we cover with Boss. We get his uh, analysis of recent fights, his opinion on a lot of the controversies, what he would do if he was a matchmaker in, in some of these scenarios, fights he'd like to see, his favorite fights of 2017 so far, and much, much more. Always an awesome conversation with El Huapo. Great guy. Great interview. So, three guests. Three great conversations I know you guys will enjoy. Starting things off, the immortal one, Matt Brown. Next up after him, Colby Chaos Covington. And finally, we'll be closing out the show with El Huapo Bus Rutan. As I said, a ton of news. I really can't get into it for sake of time. But if you guys want to stay up to date, all the breaking news, everything that's important, exclusive interviews, stuff that other guys aren't covering, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news is your premier source. It's your home for MMA news, and you guys should go bookmark it right now. Again, we appreciate all of the love and dedication and support of you guys, Penn Nation. Keep it up. Make sure you, you uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, Google+, Instagram, Set up uh, notifications on your phone so when we, drop a, when we drop a new article, breaking news, you'll see it before the other guys. BJPenn.com. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Kinch, and we're going to kick things off tonight with Matt the Immortal Brown. All right, Penn Nation, welcome back to the show. The man they call the Immortal One. UFC welterweight, all-around badass, Matt the Immortal Brown. Matt, welcome back to the show. Pleasure, as always, to have you join us. It's been a while since we last spoke. How has life been for the Immortal? Uh, it's been pretty good, just relaxing a little bit and uh, trying to get another fight coming on pretty soon. So, home in Colorado right now, I'd imagine. What's the summer been like for you, doing man shit and, you know, spending time with the family? That's uh, pretty much... 365 days a year for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as I mentioned, um, 
when we were setting up this interview yesterday, I know, I know you've been kind of laying low, staying out of the spotlight the past several months. I'm wondering what prompted, prompted the uh, hiatus from competition, and has it been beneficial for you? Um, as many, I mean, I, well, I got knocked out pretty good in my last fight, so I wanted to take a break to let my brain heal and everything. And um, outside of that, just my motivation wasn't, I didn't feel like it was where it needed to be. I was maybe, uh, maybe just getting a little bit burnt out from competing so much. So yeah. take a little break from all that. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. You know, I've just been training and uh, helping other guys, coaching a little bit and, um, you know, staying involved uh, 100%. And, um, yeah, I come to find out that, you know, I really like fighting. So can't <laughs> wait to get back in there. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes you have to take a break from it to uh, really find that motivation and, and drive and, and light that fire, reignite that fire. Uh, but, you know, we've seen several guys making the decision to take some time off. It's no secret that MMA athletes put a lot of wear and tear on their bodies, not only in the fight, but in the gym as well. You know, not to mention benefits of taking some time off can have for the brain, as you mentioned. Uh, but I'd imagine this time off has really allowed you to focus on any nagging injuries or issues you've had in the past on top of letting the brain heal? Well, that was kind of the plan, and then I didn't really step away at all. I just stayed in the gym every day, so I probably have as many injuries as I did before. <laughs> so it's about the same, really. I mean, I guess I – I mean, I took a break from competition. I didn't really take a break from anything else, though. I mean, I've been in the gym as much as I was before I was – you know, before I took a break, so – I mean, it's basically like like I've been doing a training camp the past, you know, six months or however long it's been. Well, all of that considered, man, I mean, how are you feeling now? It's still no rush to come back to fighting? I mean, is there a timetable you're looking at for a return now? I'm not rushing. I mean, um, I'm looking at probably October. If, uh, um, if we get an opponent, I've been talking to uh, Sean Shelby, and, you know, we're just looking for an opponent. I'm not sure if uh, – you know, I mean, you know, half of uh, getting a fight is having someone to fight. So, yeah, um, you know, it looks like that's probably going to be the right timetable, but I don't know if it's going to work out with uh, opponents and everything. So, should hear something pretty soon, actually. So, are you eyeing a particular venue in October, or is this just that's just the realistic date for you to be able to have a full training camp and, and take a fight at this point? Uh, no, yeah, we had a. Uh, we said day. It's supposed to be October seventh. So, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce that or anything, but because I don't have an opponent, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what I'm supposed to be saying, I don't. You know, it's whatever. But uh, yeah, it's supposed to be October seventh. Just waiting for an opponent. So with the rankings, I mean, your inactivity a lot has changed in the welterweight division. Uh, are you looking at maybe a ranked opponent or a, or a tune-up fight, as, as some people call it, or is this just uh, you know any opponent will do for you at this point? Um, I, I guess I'm, I've never really been too picky about it. So I guess I would, I would say pretty much any opponent, but yeah, like you said, the rankings have changed a lot and I'll just kind of play by ear, you know, whichever, whatever comes up, I'll pretty much take. So do you think with uh, another big, big performance, a good performance, a couple of wins, you could be right back in the mix in, in the title picture here? Yeah, I don't see any reason why not. Yeah. 
Well, you've always been one of those guys in the top of the division, so I'd imagine a couple good fights, good performances, you'd be right back in the mix. Uh, but prior to the Cowboy fight, you had added Dwayne Ludwig to your, to your team of coaches. Dwayne is a great guy, good friend of the show, definitely one of the best coaches in the business, obsessed with martial arts and improving his, his students through uh, quality instruction. I'm wondering, what's the relationship been like for you, and how much has working with Bang Ludwig elevated your game? Yeah, me and Dwayne are good friends. Um, I've worked with him for a while now, and I learned a lot from him, and I think he's a, you said it very good. I mean, he's obsessed with the, the game, just like I am, so we have a lot, of, a lot in common in that aspect. And, yeah, we have a good mesh together, so, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. I love working with Dwayne. The, the, pa- the past few times we've had him on the show, you know, I've asked about you and uh, what it's like for him to work with you as well. All praise from him, of course, but he made the point to really speak highly of your coaching ability. And uh, he said that, you know, he's been really impressed with your ability to instruct and, and thinks that that would be a really good career path for you after fighting. I'm wondering, would you agree with Dwayne on that? Well, I hope so. <laughs> I don't want to do my own horn, that's for sure. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think I'd make a good coach. I'd if I think I'd probably make a as good, if not better, a coach than fighter, actually. And you know, I think I have a, a a lot of talent for that side of the game, and I totally look forward to doing that someday. I've I've dabbled in it a little bit in this time off. It's uh, you know, working with fighters is a hard thing, so. Yeah, you know, he yeah. talked about he talked about that's kind of something that really determines uh, moving forward as a martial artist, you know, learning the game, being able to execute technique, but being able to teach it really really shows your development as a as an athlete and as a martial artist. You know, we hear time and time again that when an athlete gets into coaching, not only is it great for the students that that he's teaching uh, to be a you know a, a tried and proven instructor, but it also makes a big difference for the athletes who's now coaching you know, more focus on technique, learning technique, et cetera. Do you feel like coaching has helped you become a better martial artist? Yeah, it totally has. I mean, the the number one thing that I, I've learned, I mean, is, I mean, you got to practice what you, what you preach. So, you know, I'm sitting here telling these guys, you got to do this, you got to do this. And then I, you know, kind of analyze my own self. And I'm like, man, I don't do that. <laughs> but I'm sitting here telling these guys to do it. And, um, and that's not true with every technique or everything, but uh, yeah, it's a that, that definitely puts things into perspective and and kind of you know seeing it from the other side, I get why coaches act the way they do and why things work out the way they do. Now sticking with teaching uh, for for just another moment here, you've been given a lot of credit for the success of Jesse Taylor and his winning the Tough Five 25 finale. I'm wondering what was it like working with him and how proud were you to see him win that Tough 20 uh, Tough 25 finale? Uh, yeah, I love working with him, and yeah, we've stayed friends over the years since the uh, Tough Seven, and um, I think he has got a lot of big things coming his way. I think he's a, a great athlete, and he's so easy to work with because he just does, uh, you know, does what he's supposed to do. You know, he'll put in the time. You tell him to be there a certain time, he's there. And tell him to do certain things, and he does them. I assume you'll be working with him moving forward indefinitely. Uh, we plan on it. I mean, you never know how the world works out. You know how things go. This sport's crazy, but yeah, we absolutely plan on staying together. How do you think he'll do in the UFC now in his division? You know, give us your thoughts on how his grappling technique matches up with most of the guys in the division. 
Well, he can definitely grapple with anybody in the division. His jiu-jitsu is actually really underrated. We don't we don't see a a ton of it because you know he's a, a more of a wrestler, and we see a lot more of the wrestling. And uh, I think you know he'll as he develops in the UFC. You know, I think we're going to see a, a lot of th- a lot of surprising things come out of him. His stand-up's a lot better than people uh, give credit for. Um, he just you know he's got to uh, get a little better at uh, at showing it in a fight. Yeah, and, I so, mean, as we all do, he's not. The, he's definitely not the only one. <laughs> so, getting back to your own career here, you know, being the type of competitor that that we've all uh, come to know uh, know you as, I'd assume that you've had the itch to get back in there this whole time off. I mean, is that the case? And and do you still have you know title aspirations? And you know, is there any unfinished un, unfinished business for you uh, in the welterweight division? <laughs> Uh, I'd say yes to all those. Um, I mean, first off, yeah, I've, I've been itching to get back in there from day one. I mean, the, you know, the day that after my last fight, I was ready to get back in there. Um, I just had to take a little bit of time and kind of do some introspection and say, you know, what is it that makes me want to get in there so bad? You know, is it just a money thing? You know, I don't want to get in there and just fight for money. And, um, you know, that was the first knockout that I ever had in my life. Um, inside or outside the gym so you know I had to really I guess I kind of took for granted you know that that's a possibility and you know when it kind of came to fruition and you know and I'm hanging out with my kids I have to wonder okay you know what's the risk reward here so you know what am I doing and so I had to really look at myself and figure out what my motivations are and what I want to do and you know I think I've got it all straightened out now and I'm ready to get back in there yeah, take time to assess and reflect. Uh, but that being said, in regards to your contract, uh, how many how many fights do you have left, and uh, you know how many fights are you looking forward to here? I mean, not to say that 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 you're close to retirement, but I mean, looking forward as your career progresses here, how much longer would you like to compete? Well, I would like to compete till I'm like 50. <laughs> you know, we have to we're at the mercy of our bodies and minds things like that though so you know I gotta do what I gotta do in that sense um so yeah who knows you know I'm kind of at the point right now where I'm just gonna take it one fight at a time yeah and uh, you know make sure that everything's right and that I'm not again I don't want to be fighting for money and I don't want to be fighting because I simply don't know what else to do I think I'm a smart enough uh a person and have enough talents to do other things where I don't have to do just this so you know I don't want it to be about something that's that it shouldn't be about you know fame or uh, uh, you know significance or uh, you know any of these uh, motives that just are are meaningless and and it's easy to get caught up in, in that and kind of lose your identity so you know, I, I have to make sure that it's a, a pure thing and that I'm doing it for the right reasons. As long as I'm doing that, then I don't think there's any reason uh, not to keep fighting. Absolutely. And and, and until the day that I, I'm done fighting, I mean, it's going to be about, um, you know, I'm going to have the title aspirations. I'm going to want to be the best in the world, and I want to show that to everybody. And I have that ability. It's just a matter of getting in there and doing it. Well, I know the fans and the division has missed you a lot. That's for sure. A lot has happened uh, since since you were last in the mix at welterweight. New contenders emerged. Plenty of controversy as well. 
Uh, I know you've obviously been paying attention. Let's talk about the landscape of 170. You know, what do you think of the champ, uh, Tyron Woodley? Do you think the criticism against him is warranted? You know, should Dana White uh, be trashing him like that publicly? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. It depends on, um, you know, trashing him is kind of a, a, a strong word, but, uh, harsh criticism. I mean, you, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, uh, their relationship is, you know, kind of, I guess that's their thing. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I, I see both sides. Um, I like to see him work it out behind the, you know, closed doors, maybe a little better, a little yeah. more. It doesn't have to be so public, but, you know, they are who they are. I don't really, I guess I, I just don't really get into it too much. You know, I'm kind of focused on myself and worry about what I need to do. Well, I mean, in regards to to his recent performances and, and the challengers he's had, you know, Styles makes Styles make fights, as we all know. Woodley's made the point to say that, you know, the challenger needs to take the risks and go after the champ. No other way around that for him. Would you agree with that statement? No, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I mean, I look at a fight as just a fight, but I mean, at the same time, you know, what can I say? I mean, I lost to Maya. He beat Maya, you know, I... I try, uh, my natural instinct is to make a fight more exciting. Like, I dropped Maya in the second round. Um, he dropped him, stepped away. I dropped him and went, went after him. So, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah, that ended up in a loss for me and a win for him. So, you know, what can I say? You know, his way won, my way lost. So when you look at the potential contenders for the championship, who do you think should be next for Woodley, and who do you think his toughest challenge would be at welterweight? Um, I, I could see Lawler getting the uh, uh, the, the rematch. I, I think that would be a, a fair thing. I know Woodley uh, doesn't agree with that, <laughs> but uh, I, I could totally see that one going down again. Yeah, there's been a lot I, of talk of Masvidal and Lawler for an interim title. Uh, be definitely a great fight to make, great fight for the fans. However, I don't really think an interim belt is needed here. Wondering, would you agree with that? And and does it seem like the UFC has gone a little title crazy, if you will? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't like seeing too many belts out there. The interim should be when it's really necessary, right? And, you know, you end up like boxing and you have all kinds of guys with all kinds of belts and everybody's with a belt and, you know, we, nobody knows what means what. So, yeah, we don't want it to end up uh, going that far. Uh, it just kind of seems like a slippery slope. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's warranted in this situation, but... Um, I could see Lawler or Masvidal getting a title shot. I think either one of them would be warranted, and I think either one of them would make a great fight. Absolutely, I agree with you there. Uh, but, you know, looking at the division for yourself, uh, a lot of interesting matchups for you, potential rematches rematches as well. What matchup would you be most excited for, and how do you think you would do against uh, a potential uh, opponent like Woodley as the champ? Well, yeah, I... I'm ready to fight anybody, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of matchups out there for me right now. Obviously, I gotta get a few wins strung together to even worry about fighting someone like Woodley. So, you know, I think I'd match up good with him. I think, uh, you know, I think I have a lot of similarities with uh, Rory, and I think Rory, you know, kind of showed the blueprint on how to beat Woodley. So, you know, I think I could do what what he did. Um, on top of that, I mean, I don't know. I, I pretty much, I'm ready to fight pretty much whoever. I mean, I, yeah, I know that Cowboy was trying to get on the 216 card. I asked, I told 
uh, Sean, and I'll gladly take that. You know, if he really wants on that card, I'll be there. Um, other than that, I mean, like you said, the landscape changes so much. The the guys, you know, get fights and you know get injured, and you know, there's so many different guys. I don't even know who yeah. is available, who can fight. So, I so what, know, what just, would be the ideal scenario for you? I mean, if you were able to pick an opponent for the comeback fight. I mean, obviously not calling anybody out, you know, starting any drama here, but ideal scenario for you, who would you most like to fight for your return? Um, I guess I don't have one particular person in mind. I mean, I just, I'm just ready to get back in there and return. That's, that's the number one thing. Yeah. Put a person on the other side from me and I'll be happy. All right. Very true. Warrior spirit, as always. Uh, changing gears here for just a moment, though. Later this month, we're going to see the spectacle of all spectacles, Connor and Floyd. Uh, been quite a crazy ride so far. A lot of drama unfolding, you know, as the days go by here. I'm wondering, what was your reaction to that fight being announced? How do you see it playing out? And is it bad for either sport, or does it build up both fan bases? Uh, okay, so <clears throat> my reaction to being announced is, hey, congrats to Connor. He's going to make a lot of freaking money, so more power to him. He's pretty much eclipsed what all of the other fighters could do. So, you know, hopefully he can bring the whole sport up a little bit and get us all paid a little bit more. Um, you know, I don't know if that's how it's going to work out, but, you know, hey, to see one MMA fighter get to, you know, where he's at, you know, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, the fight, I think there's not really a whole lot of question as to what's going to happen. Uh, it's not really, I guess, I don't really consider it as much a fight as just a event. Yeah. Um, to, to even give Connor a puncher's chance, I think it's kind of ridiculous. But um, hey, you know, I hope that he does. I hope that he gets a little something. If, if he even scrapes Floyd once or twice, then we'll all be excited and happy. So it'd be awesome to see. Um, yeah, and that, that's about all there is. I mean. Right, I mean, any success for him would be good for, for MMA, but, I mean, a loss for him, it, does that hurt the UFC? Does that hurt the, you know, mixed martial arts as a whole, in your opinion? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I, if anything, it's I, I got to think it's probably going to hurt boxing because Floyd doesn't have any intentions of making any exciting fights. And yeah. He hasn't had an exciting fight in years. Um, I mean, he's been beating everybody, you know, and those of us that respect the sport and, and admire the sport and admire the the abilities that he has, of course, you know, we want to go watch him. I want to watch him every time just to, to watch the, the beauty of his work. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be exciting for me. Um, now, the, uh, you know, the mainstream people are going to watch this fight and by the sixth round, they're probably going to stop watching. Right. <laughs> you know, most people, yeah, most people I think, you know, are going to, you know, I've, I've made the analogy before that this fight's kind of like the lottery. You know, like we know the numbers aren't going to hit, but we're going to watch just in case they do, right? Yeah. And and usually, you know, by the time they say there's eight numbers in the lottery, if it, I think that's what it is. By the time they get to like third or fourth number, you realize your numbers aren't going to hit, and you, you stop watching. And that's <laughs> pretty much what I see happening here. And, um, you know, the only difference is, yeah, you know, it could be the 12th round and, and the number can hit. And... Well, all of a sudden, the internet breaks and the world stops spinning, and <laughs> <laughs> is over. Yeah, 
at Connor's Rich, and we're all poor. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, that is a really good analogy. You know, you're just watching the lottery, hoping you're hit, knowing you're not gonna, but the possibility is there, so you're you're uh, enthralled to watch. Um, yeah. But you know, speaking of boxing, sweet science. Uh, I know uh, Lomachenko has has worked with uh, TJ. Uh, you know, Dwayne's had the opportunity to meet him. I'm not sure if you have as well. Uh, but I saw last night that you know you were you said something about you got out your notebook to to take notes on his performance. What did you think of his performance? I personally thought it was masterful, but give us your thoughts on him, and uh, have you had the opportunity to work with him and learn anything from him? Yeah, no, I haven't never got to meet him. Uh, he was over at uh, Garcia's gym for a while. I know I, I don't know if he's training with Mikey's. I think they might end up fighting one day, but I'm, I'm friends with those guys, so uh, I almost had the opportunity, but I just didn't uh, have the time. But yeah. either way, yeah, I mean, God, I mean, what a master. I mean, that's, a, that's like you say, I mean, if there's one guy to watch and learn from, it's him. I mean, he's just a, he's an enigma. So we're going to, you know, I, I look forward to watching him fight somebody for real, though. Um, there's, you know, Mikey Garcia would be a great one. I would, I'd love to see how that plays out, even though Mikey's a little bigger. Uh, Rigando, of course, would be the, the biggest fight. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly who's, I'm uh, not trying to fight who there. Yeah. Um, you know, Rigando, you know, claims that he's looking for the fight. Um, you know, it's tough to make sense for either one of them, you know, because then one of, them, one of their others has to go. And that's, a, you know, maybe they need to build their own careers a little higher for that to finally uh, come to fruition one day. But uh, I think that's the, the biggest, or not biggest, the best fight out there, maybe one of the best fights in history. You have two of the best amateurs in history right there. Uh, guys that will probably, probably be two of the best pros in history. So, Yeah, I would agree with you there. And, and it's yeah, tough, so I, it, it seems like Lomachenko can't get the recognition from the fans that he deserves. You know, he has superstar potential. His skills are pretty much unrivaled. I mean, he is, like you said, their master. Uh, hopefully one day he can get that get that real big breakthrough and, and, and start, uh, you know, taking that, that spotlight as a superstar. Uh, but to get yeah, back I to think, go ahead. Well, as I say, I think that's on the way. The, the toughest part is that he's in, uh, he's in a, a weight division where nobody knows anybody. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like I never heard of Mariaga and, you know, I'm a huge boxing fan. And I, you know, I'm, I've probably seen him fight before on ESPN or something, you know, you know but, um, you know, it, it's hard when, you know, you're, it, I mean, it's almost like a Mighty Mouse thing, you know, I mean, he doesn't get the recognition because he just doesn't have the opponents with the name value, whereas, you know, every John Jones fight, and, and you know, that's a debate on its own, but, you know, every John Jones fight is against the name guy, yeah. the, uh, someone that we know, and uh, whereas, you know, the, the little guys, I mean, they just don't get the um, the mainstream popularity, so yeah, I think that's his biggest uh, a hurdle, and you know he's he's not going to be able to. I don't think he's going to be able to get up to the the weight classes where people really start caring and, and it really starts mattering, like in the the 140 and, and above, which is where the the name value really starts caring. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that, that the littler guys with a ton of skills don't get that kind of recognition. As you mentioned, there, there's either not the opponents or people just don't care. Very unfortunate. But you mentioned Jones there. I, I was actually going to ask you about this next. What what was what were your thoughts on his return and what should be next for him? I mean, is is the Lesnar fight realistic? Should he fight Volkan Ozdemir? Should they do a rematch with Gus? 
What's your opinion on Jones' his return, and what should be next for him? Ah, uh, man, that's a lot of things about that, man. You know, I'm, I'm happy for the guy, you know, that he seemed, seemed like, you know, he's turned his life around at least a, a little bit, enough to get in there and make it through the fight. So, uh, and, you know, he sounds like he's, he's not, you know, like he's trying to be honest about who he is and, and, and what and the situations he's in and everything. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, his life just turns out good for himself. Um, yeah. That's a, the number one thing, and and he has a good, happy, healthy family. That's, a, that's the number one thing. Uh, beyond that, yeah, I hope uh, I like to see him fight Lesnar. Right. Personally, just to see Jones fight a man that is gigantic compared to him, mm. or just gigantic compared to anybody. And yeah, let's see what happens. I mean, it might be a little bit of a, a sideshow, but. Hey man, that's a that's a cool fight. I think I think it's a, that's a real cool fight. Yeah, um, we've seen that time and time again as of late. Uh, maybe you call it a freak show, however however you want to say it. But uh, we've seen those fights getting made more and more. And I agree with you. It'd be very interesting to see Jones take on a guy that he does not have a size advantage over. Uh, so I agree with you. The Western fight would would be fun for a lot of reasons. But listen, Matt, you've been more than generous with your time. We greatly appreciate it as always. Uh, but just to recap. Targeting October, uh, haven't got an opponent yet. Hopefully one gets announced soon. Uh, assuming you come out of that fight healthy, unscathed, would you like to fight again before the end of the year and uh, build up some momentum going into 2018? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I'm, I'm really taking it one fight at a time. Uh, just got to see how I feel and how my body feels and how the family is and the training situation. I mean, I mean, there's just so many factors that go into it. I just want to make sure everything's right. I don't... I don't want, uh, again, what it really comes down to for me is that I want to feel like I'm walking in there for all the right reasons. It's got to be um, just, there, there can't be any ulterior motives. You know what I mean? It can't be about money or yeah. or fame or, or because I don't know what what else to do with myself or anything like that. It just it has to be uh, for all the right things. And as long as that's happening, then, you know, it, again, it doesn't matter what happens when I'm in there and I, I can walk away happy and content with, uh, with myself and, and, you know, that's what's going to be important in the long run. So ideally, or, or, or maybe not so much ideally, but when should we potentially expect to hear an announcement of an opponent? I mean, are you looking at maybe the next few weeks having something finally signed and in, in writing? Uh, yeah, I actually thought it would be, uh, this past week, but it didn't uh, turn out that way. So, okay. uh, sh- should be sooner rather than later. All right. Very good. Well, we certainly look forward to your return. You're a fan favorite as always, and always go out there and uh, leave it all on the line. And I know, uh, I know the fans and myself included. We all greatly appreciate a guy with your warrior spirit. Um, definitely looking forward to the next fight. What the future has in store for you? Um, I guess uh, in conclusion, man, what can all the immortal fans expect from you in this next fight going into 2018? And uh, what would you say to all the fans that have supported you throughout this hiatus? Well, I mean, of course, obviously, thank you to all, everybody for being there. And, and uh, you know, I, I still get messages all the time. It's not not like I uh, uh, people forgot all about me. I don't think uh, you know a lot of, a lot of inspiring messages. So you know, I, I definitely appreciate that. And anytime that that my uh, uh, fighting ha- has affected someone beyond the the realm of just martial arts uh, means a lot to me. When when maybe I've affected their life positively or 
or their career or whatever it is um you know that's what that's what this really uh means a, a lot more than you know just someone saying cool i love you i love watching you get bloody and beat people up so right uh, you know that means a lot to me so i you know i really appreciate those messages and keep them coming all right my friend uh oh by the way before we let you go mortal Kombat equipment how's that going oh so far so good um yeah, we, you know, we're just uh, keeping the ball rolling. Um, you know, everybody's really liking us. And, uh, you know, um, I say we sell most of them to uh, some college football teams, which uh, the problem is you can't use that for advertisement. So, right. uh, yeah, not allowed to put in CAA regulations, but a lot of college football and teams seem to like it. So, um, you know, we got some more things that should be coming out pretty soon. We got a bunch of prototypes ready just a matter of taking time to, uh, you know, get things banged out. Cool. Well, look forward to uh, any new prototypes being revealed and uh, the further growth of that company and, and, you know, as your business there. Again, greatly appreciate the time, Matt. Looking forward to the fight. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Um, mainly, man, just thanks to Musclefire, man. You know, they've, they've supported me the whole time, so... Uh, yeah, that's just kind of my main sponsor, and you know we're, we're doing a lot of things together. Uh, I think we're going to be moving the facility from Denver to LA by the end of the year, and uh, things are going to come up and up there. We're going to start a whole new team there, and uh, I think it's going to be a great thing for everyone. Awesome. All right, Matt. Hopefully, we see you fight in October, my man. We'll catch up with you before then. Uh, best of luck in the fight once it gets announced. And, of course, uh, hope you're having a great summer. We've all missed you, that's for sure. And uh, thanks, as always, for the time, my man. All right. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Cool. Have a good day. You too, man. All right, Penn Nation, you heard it here first. Matt Brown, eyeing October 7th. Not official yet. We can't announce that it is official. But you heard it from the man, the man himself. He would like to be on that card. Would like a rematch with Cowboy Cerrone. No opponent booked. Not official yet. But hopefully the inevitable return of the Immortal One gets announced sooner rather than later. BJPenn.com radio, guys. The fighter's voice. You heard it here first. I'm your host, Kinch. We're going to keep it moving for sake of time, as I mentioned before. Going to jump right into it with Colby Chaos Covington. The man spits fire in this interview. I know you guys will enjoy it. Very entertaining stuff. Coming up next, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Colby Covington, the man they call Chaos. All right, Penn Nation. Welcome back to the show. Boxing has triple G. We have triple C in MMA. Colby Chaos Covington. Colby, my man, welcome back to the show. How were things in Florida today? I'd imagine you're putting in some work at ATT headquarters as usual. Yep. Thanks for having me on. First off, I just want to say thank you to BJ Penn for all the love you guys showed. And uh, second off, no fear, Triple C is here, baby. We about to revolutionize. We about to revolutionize this sport. I'm gonna do something that's never been done, and I'm gonna be a bigger attraction than, than McGregor. Mark my words. I have no doubt, man. The sky's the limit for you. Uh, I'd expect nothing less from a hard worker like yourself. Let's jump right into it, man. You've been in the headlines all week, made waves with fighters and fans alike. 
But before we get into the Woodley stuff, obviously that, that that's a hot topic here for you this week. I was hoping you could give us an update on when you'll be back in action. You know, I know you haven't been able to get a fight signed yet, but is there any uh, date or event you have in mind? Uh, you know, I would love to get uh, the UFC New York Madison Square Garden. You know, as a kid, I grew up wanting to uh, compete or wrestle or just compete in, in Madison Square Garden, known as the the best arena, sporting arena in the world. So, you know, what better showcase than to go there and showcase that I'm the best fighter in the world. So, you know, I'm looking around November, and hopefully that gives Maya enough time to get his wounds healed. You know, I know he didn't even really get in a fight with the champ, so... You know, there was no punches thrown, so he should be healthy and fresh and ready to go. You know, what does he need to wait for? He's already at the end of his career anyways. Why why wait any longer? You know, you haven't been fighting lately. You just, you just, uh, you know, going out there and throwing punches in the air. So, you know, I'm looking for November at Madison Square Garden against Damian Meyer. Now, has there been any talk with the UFC or your management about, about the, the possibility of this fight, the likelihood of this fight getting done? Yeah, there's been talk. There's a there's a high possibility that it's going to happen, but you know we're just waiting on his end. You know that's the the hold up. The UFC likes the fight. They think the, the fight makes sense, and you know we'll just see if he accepts the challenge. You know, I I think he uh, he knows that even OJ Simpson's glove can protect him right now from me. <laughs> so I want I we'll get into Maya here in a bit. I know that's the fight that that you're really gunning for at this point, but I know we've talked about the embarrassment tour and the Easy Money tour with you and the homie Gamebred. You guys have been on this, you know, the past year quite a bit. I actually said last week on the show that, that I could only imagine the reaction of both of you guys when Magni and Dos Anjos was announced. Magni being a guy that Jorge was really gunning for, and of course you've been calling out Dos Anjos for months now. What was going through your head when you saw that fight announcement? Man, when I saw RDA and Magni's headed, uh, signing the, the contract, it just kind of reiterated what what we've been saying the whole time, how much of cowards they are, you know. RDA and Magni's hesitance to sign for battle with me is a sign of pure coward. They wouldn't fight me if I got up and bitch slapped them in front of their girl and whole family. That's how fucking scared they are. Strong statement, as always, but you said on social media, Magni was sent a contract to fight you. He didn't sign it. Was that to fight George, or, or was there any other uh, guys out there that have been sent a contract to fight you or George that you know for a fact they would not sign? Yeah, both RDA and Magni. Both the guys, they didn't want to sign it, you know. Uh, Magni was healthy and, and he could have fought, but he was at, he was playing that card, oh, I need some more time to get healthy. And RDA was playing that card, oh, I'm injured, this and that, oh, I can't do it. But then all of a sudden they both get booked, you know. It's just, that's real bizarre and, and real strange and and, you know, they're both shady dudes. You know, they say one thing to the media that they'll do this and that, but when it comes down to it and the UFC offers them this and that, you know, they want to act like cherry pickers and they want to, you know, pick the easiest fights possible to navigate themselves to a title shot. But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Me and Jorge are here now. and No one's getting past me and Jorge. I can promise you that. Well, it sucks that it's been tough for you guys to, to get a fight signed. But with Magni and Dos Anjos, that fight being official now, game bread pushing for the Wonder Boy fight, there aren't many options open for you to, you know, further push you up the rankings. However, as you've mentioned, called out Damian Maya this week. Seems like you would love an opportunity to prove your grappling skills are the best in the division. And as you've said, do what Tyron couldn't do and send uh, Damian into retirement. Any response from Maya and his team so far? Any interest shown by the UFC in making this fight a reality? 
yeah, there's been uh, a lot of uh, interest from the UFC. You know, it makes sense. You know, everything I've been saying is true. And, and you know, for me, it's a pretty easy fight. You know, those those middle school wrestling single leg takedowns that he uses, it's not going to work on a D1 All-American. And I know you said test my grappling skills with him, but I wouldn't need to test my grappling skills. Why would I need to test my grappling skills when I feel like I can outstrike him and knock him out? I think I'll put him out first or second round and, that's just how confident in my striking and how how far along I've came in my development and growth in the game. You know, I brought in a new coach to work with me, a guy named Stevie Richards. He's helping on my strength and conditioning now. I've never done strength and conditioning before. Now I'm doing harder harder workouts, and I feel more explosive and more athletic than I've ever been, and my striking is on a whole new other level. So, you know, I wouldn't – Damian Maya, he, that's easy money for me. If we get in the octagon, I promise you I'm going to outstrike him and put him to sleep. Now, considering the damage that Damien took, as you said, you're, you're looking at November with him, but I would have to assume that he'll be taking some time off after this loss to Woodley. Do you really want to wait around for him if November isn't the date that they can potentially get you guys matched up? Um, you know, if, as long as it's not going to be like over like a half a year, you know, I think it makes sense to wait for him. You know, uh, Tyron Woodley has something that belongs to me right now. That's my belt, and I need to get there and be ready in position to, to face him when he's healthy. So, you know, I, I'm not going to wait for Maya if he can't get healthy before the end of the year. But if he can get – I mean, I mean, come on, dude. The guy had a little shut eye or a little black eye. What's the big deal? Like, the guy's eye's probably fine now. Give him a couple weeks. Boom, let's go in November or December. He should be good to go before the end of the year. He's at the end of his career. He's almost 40 years old. So, I mean, how much longer does he need to wait? And how much do you want to wait? It's either retire, get out of the way. Or make way for me, man. Let's do this, man. Yeah, definitely a fight that, that would further propel you towards the top, as you've been gunning for this whole time. Definitely a fight that, that I hope gets made as well. But let's transition to Woodley here. Pretty obvious that you weren't impressed with his title defense, UFC 214. Following his threats to spill some dirt on the UFC, you've responded in saying that you have dirt on him as well. But before we get into all that stuff, you know, the skeletons in the closet, as you've called them, Give us your thoughts on his performance against Maya and Woodley's statements about the challenger needing to take the risks against the champ. Um, I thought the performance was pathetic. You know, I mean, you could have had, you could have put two high school girls in there and they would have done a better job of entertaining the crowd that night. It was downright shitty. And his last fight, his last three fights have been shitty. I mean, the, the, two, the two Thompson fights were boring. No one wanted to see him. I mean, say what you want oh he does this i do that but you better find a, another way to be entertaining in this business if, if you can't get it done fighting you know so you know i thought it was a it was a terrible champ but it's indicative of the type of person that he is he's not a good person and that's kind of why i tweeted you know he's a fake he's a diva you know i mean look at his twitter account my friends did an audit report on it i mean half his followers he bought he's a fake champ man jason he's He's going around to all these celebrities. Oh, let me take a picture with you. Let me suck your dick to act cool. So people in the industry will think I'm cool. But at the end of the day, he's a fake champ because all these actors in Hollywood are laughing at him. I I'm not over here buying my followers. I'm not over here faking it till I make it. Oh, let me get go take a picture with a celebrity so it makes me look cooler. No, I'm not a fake champ. I'm not a diva, man. I'm out here earning it the blue collar way. I'm fucking, I'm doing it, man. I'm winning. And I'm being exciting, and people want to see me fight, and people want to see me get knocked out. I don't really care. Either way, they're still coming to watch me fight. So, you know, I just want – he's got what's mine. That's the belt. And, uh, 
You know, he needs to, he needs to pass the torch because this is my time. I will guarantee you if we step in that octagon, I swear to God I will retire if I lose to Tyrone Woodley. Wow, bold statement, my friend, and I have no doubt in your confidence. Clearly this is a fight that you think is a great stylistic matchup for you, and clearly you've got a bone to pick with this guy. Uh, but, you know, considering uh, how critical everybody's been of Woodley, UFC, Dana White, uh, UFC President Dana White really threw him under the bus at the press conference. Woodley later demanded the apology and threatened to leak some information about the UFC. Apparently, White and Woodley have, have since worked things out, but you made headlines last week claiming that you have dirt on Woodley, and uh, you have some serious claims there, man. You know, I got to say, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not trying to intentionally start some drama or ruin careers on this show, but as my job, man, I do have to ask you about this dirt you have on him. I'm wondering, do you care to spill the beans on what this dirt is, or maybe give us an idea on the severity or the nature of what you know? Again, not trying to stir the shit pot, just just doing my job here. Absolutely, man. I respect what you're trying to do. You know, I made a promise to my man, Dan Lambert, that I wouldn't spill the beans, you know, because I don't want to ruin this guy's life, you know. Like, he's got he's got stuff going for him, so I'm going to let him do that. I'm already going to ruin his life when I end him in the, in the octagon. I don't want to ruin his life further than that. You know, I don't want to make him be suicidal, and that's how he's going to be after I knock him out, so... You know, I'm I'm not going to say too much about it. Uh, you know, I think it's going to kind of work its way out anyway. You know, I mean, it's not, there's not, there's a lot of people that know it. It's not like a secret. So, you know, I'm going to let that, that kind of, it's not going to come from me. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to take the high road here. You know, he, you know, I'm not going to be a snitch or do this and that, but, you know, he's on thin ice. He better watch what he says, especially with me, man. I'm coming for his ass. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, what prompted you to bring this up initially, though? You know, Tyron is a former teammate of yours. It sounds like you genuinely, genuinely dislike this guy. I'm wondering, did something happen between you guys that led you to put this out last week? Yeah, he's just a fake and a fraud, and I've known that since I met him. You know, he's just he's so desperate for people to like him and to act like this, and I just don't like how he's been caring about his business. Oh, oh, it's racist. People don't like me because they're racist. Like, come on, dude. This isn't 1970s anymore. Come on, let's get let's get real. It's 2017. So he's just a diva, man. He's just, he acts entitled. and He's just a fake champ, man. Like, he needs to be exposed. And, and I'm that guy, man. UFC, bring me in. I'm the guy. I will expose Tyron Woodley, and I, will, and I will prove to you everything that you guys know about him. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to make my voice known that, you know, he has what's mine. That's the belt, so... You know, I'm, he's going to be, I'm going to take care of that soon. I promise you that, Jason. So some fighters have, have fired back at you for, for taking sides with the company over, over the athletes. Cajun Johnson, for instance, uh, saying that it was the lowest of the low kind of move for you. You responded. Who the fuck is that? I've never even heard of that guy. Is that kid fight? Who, where does he fight at? Is he fighting fight time? or what, 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 what league does he fight in? He is he is currently a UFC fighter, if if I'm not mistaken. But... As as you make a good point there, not exactly a household name. Uh, but you've responded by saying that this game is about money and you don't care about people's opinions at this point. This has been a marketing move for you and your career. You're here to make money for you and your family and your future. You told the haters to bring it on. And I've given you props a ton of times on your marketing ability. And uh, while this is another move to make those headlines, I'm wondering if you could speak a bit to the backlash you've received by some of your peers and the fans. I don't give a fuck about the bath glass, Jason. I, I got in this to get haters. I hope these haters want to see me lose. Find someone that's gonna that's gonna beat me, cause there ain't a man out there that's gonna beat me right now. So you know, I'm not I'm not in here to make friends. You're my friend, Jason. I, like I'm 
super happy about my relationship with you and BJ Penn Radio. Got much love for you guys. Thank you so much for always having me on. But come on, let's be real. I didn't get in this to make friends. I have friends. I have friends back in Oregon. I have friends out here. I'm not in this to get extra friends because I'm not a fake. I don't need to play the thing, oh, we're UFC fighters, so that means we have to be friends. No. If we see each other in an event, I don't give a fuck about being your friend or seeing you. I'm still going to enjoy my life and have a good time, but I don't care what people think about me. Think what you want about me. At the end of the day, you're going to respect me when I got that gold strap around my waist soon. I can't disagree with you at all, my friend. This is a, this is a game about making money and doing what's best for you. This is not a team sport. This is an individual sport. So you got to work out, look out for numero uno above all else. So I totally respect that. But I'm wondering, has Woodley reached out to you personally at all about this? Or has the UFC brass talked to you, talked to you about this stuff at all? <laughs> yeah, Woodley did, actually. He texted me a couple of times, like, oh, bro, don't do that. You know, acting like a little a little sorry-ass bitch. So, he, need, you know, he, he's, he's acting like he knows what's up, man. He knows that, uh, you know, he, he's fucking with the wrong person right now. And, uh, you know, the UFC hasn't reached out to me much, but, you know, I think we're working on something, so you know that relationship should get get uh, figured out soon. But you know, I'm telling you right now, Jason, mark my fucking words. What me and Stevie Richards are doing right now, we're gonna change the game forever. No one's done what we're about to do. We're gonna revolutionize the sport, and we're gonna be a bigger and better attraction than Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor ain't got nothing on what we're about to do. Mark my words. Yeah, you know, to speak about the, this new trainer here. Uh, I'm personally not familiar with him. I know maybe a lot of the fans won't be as well. Uh, could you give us a little bit of his background? And I know he, I know you mentioned recently he had you watch uh, some WWE event. It put you to sleep. And since then, you've been uh, attacking them as well on Twitter. Yeah, he's a, he's a former world champion pro wrestler, you know. And, you know, he's a hard worker like myself. You know, he put in the hard work. He didn't, he didn't cheat like all these guys in the sport doing steroids. You know, he didn't have to put performance dance in drugs. He, he's known for his cardio. He's, he's a guy like myself. I'm known for my cardio. I can break every man in this division just with my cardio. So, you know, I had to bring in someone him, like him who's, who's been a world champion, who's going to lead me down that route to be world champion. And, you know, who's a better entertainer than Stevie Richards? I mean, the, the guy's accomplishments speak for itself. If you look up his accomplishments, he's like a 20-time world champ. You know, he's done it all. So, you know, I'm reaching new heights and new levels with my training with him. And, you know... Everything's about to take off soon. I promise you, it's a new era. Well, I certainly look forward to it. And having a guy with a pro wrestling background, that only lends itself to furthering your marketing ability. Uh, so I definitely look forward to what this relationship has in store and will bring for you and your career. Uh, but getting back to the state of the division at 170, there doesn't seem to be a real clear-cut number one contender at this point. Plenty of fun matchups, fights that make sense for sure, but you know the next challenger for Woodley is kind of up in the air. Gamebred would be a great fight. Yourself would be a great fight. Uh, but, you know, since since he Gamebred's coming off the loss, kind of tough to make that fight at this point. We've heard some rumors of a possibility of an interim title fight between Jorge and Robbie. Uh, while I don't think uh, it's a good idea to, to, to put another interim title out there, definitely be a great way to determine the next uh, number one contender. I think the UFC is getting a little crazy with the interim belts. What's your take on all this? Who's the clear-cut contender, and should they have an interim title? Um, there is no clear-cut contender, and, and I don't think they need a, a interim title. I think you just settle it man for man. Let's do it, man. Let's find out who the number one contender, contender is. Let's have a little tournament style. I'll fight all these guys the same night, dude. I'll beat them all the same night, too. So, 
you know, but, you know, these guys are all divas these days. They don't want to do that. They don't want to fight without time limits. They don't want to fight, you know, the same night. So whatever, give them a couple months to, to lick their wounds and, and, and rub their sorenesses out. But, you know, let's figure out who the clear-cut number one contender is. There ain't a clear-cut number one contender. Robbie Lawler did not look impressive against Donald Cerrone. And, you know, that, that doesn't define – he already got knocked out by Woodley in, like, the first round. So it wasn't even competitive. So that doesn't make sense to make that fight again. So, you know, he should probably fight George or fight Wonder Boy. And, and then let me get the other one. Let me get Wonder Boy or Robbie. So, you know, we need to find out who the number one contender is. We don't need an interim belt. Who cares about – what's the deal with the interim belt? Let's just fight for the money that we're going to get paid and let's find it out. You know, what do we need an interim belt for? What's the point of that? I agree with you. It just seems to be uh... – a recurring thing with the UFC at this point. They, I think they feel obligated to have a belt for an event to, to sell the fight, when in reality, fights should sell themselves. You guys are great at marketing. You should sell yourself as well. So I agree with you 100%. Shouldn't be going towards the interim titles. Uh, but I know, we t- I know we talked about it last time we had you on, uh, You know where you fit into all of this. If you can't get a fight with a, with a rank guy above you, if the Maya fight falls out, What's the next best thing? You know, I saw uh, Kamaru Usman's been calling you out. Any interest in that fight? And if not, what's what's the next best option for you if a top ten guy isn't available? Jason, he he has not been calling me out. He's just been barking up, trying to act, make himself look like he's bigger than he is. Listen, I tried to fight him for the last three years. We were supposed to fight, or yeah, we were supposed to fight, and uh, Joe Silva was matching up. Hey, you guys signed the contract. He never wanted to fight me. He told Glenn Robinson, his manager, no, I don't want to fight Colby. I want a different matchup. The guy's a bum, man. He hasn't beat nobody in the top 15. I've already beat Mike Powell when he was 12. I beat Dung Hum Kim, number seven, and I did it easy. Like, it, I'm smoking all these guys. I'm not losing rounds. So, you know, let's see Cameron Usman beat someone in the top 15. I'll take that easy money. The guy's a bum. He can't strike. I mean, his wrestling's D2 level. Come on, man. I'm D1 level. There's a different level to this game, and I promise you that's the truth. And, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. I want to fight a bigger name. I want to fight a bigger guy out there. I've earned my spot. I beat Dung Hum Kim, who, you know, he's only lost to Tyrone Woodley and, and Carlos Condit and Damian Maia. So, you know, I've I've deserved a big fight. You know, I'm looking for Carlos Condit. I'm looking for Damian Maia, Stephen Wonder Girl Thompson, you know, Robbie, not ruthless anymore, Lawler. That's who I'm looking for, the big names, man. I, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to fight guys that, you know, I'm, I already know I'm going to beat. You know, I've already fought all these guys that I already knew I was going to beat. There's no... There's no reason to put these guys that are guaranteed wins for me to fight these guys. Let me get someone who they think they might have a chance against me, and then I can show you my real star power. I can show you what destiny is. I can show you what I've known since I was a little kid. So, you know, Jason, I'm looking for the biggest fight possible, and I'm looking to get what's mine. I feel like I'm the best fighter in the world, so give me the big fight that's going to show I'm the best fighter in the world. Well, man, the confidence, your skills – all of those things combined, man, I have no doubt that the star in you could definitely shine, and I hope that that opportunity comes very soon. I hope you get this big fight that you're really gunning for, another top 10 guy, top 5 guy even, and continue your march towards the title. Uh, but listen, Kobe, we appreciate the time today. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Before, before we wrap things up here, I guess let's just recap. Eyeing the fight with Maya, hopefully Madison Square Garden, hungry for the belt, clearly gunning for Tyron at this point. You put the division on notice, looking to get paid as well, my friend. I think that pretty much sums it up. Anything you think we missed? Um, You know, and, and the enlistment of uh, Stevie Richards, my new strength and conditioning coach. We're going to revolutionize the sport. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Stevie Richards as well. I'll have to look into him. Uh, where can we find him on social media? 
He's at, at BWO Stevie dot, uh, BWO Stevie on Twitter, and he's got his Instagram at BW Stevie. But I think if you just type in Stevie Richards, his name will pop up in the toolbar. So, yeah, check him out, man. We're going to change the game. All right, Kobe. In conclusion, my man, give the welterweight division a message and let everybody know why we all need to take notice of Kobe Chaos before the before the train arrives at the station and you've already got the belt. Welterweights, all you motherfuckers, you're dead. I promise you, you're dead men walking. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you train, it will not be good enough when you step in the octagon against me. All right. All right, Penn Nation, cut it a little short there for sake of time. Big thank you to Kobe Chaos, brought the heat for us. Great friend of BJPenn.com. We love the guy. Uh, hopefully he gets a big fight, maybe that Maya matchup. We're going to keep it moving here. Boss Rutan, El Wapo, up next, the fighter's voice, BJPenn.com radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming back to the show, one of MMA's favorite personalities, former King of Pancrase, former UFC heavyweight champion, Hall of Famer, actor, commentator, the list goes on, a true pioneer and a living legend of the fight game, the always entertaining and educational El Huapo himself, Boss Rutan. Boss, as always, we greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to speak with us. How has summer been going for you so far? It's been great. It's been very busy, you know, doing all these little things. You know, since we stopped with Inside MMA, I'm, uh, I'm doing a little bit of everything. But in uh, two weeks, we're going to start shooting the show again. So then uh, I'm going to be uh, spending a lot of time at the East Coast. At the East Coast. Oh, very good. So anyone that follows you know that knows that you're always working on something, all kinds of different projects. I'm wondering, how is the podcast going with uh, Moro? The podcast is going great. We uh, Normally, we're shooting two podcasts, but we, we kind of focus on the fighting right now. We're mixing a little pop culture and all that stuff. So we take the biggest show. When there's big shows, uh, whether it's fighting, uh, MMA or Bellator or UFC, whatever it is, and boxing, that's that's the week we're going to do it. So like, let's say three, three times a week, uh, three times a month, we have a podcast now. Okay, so focusing on the fight game, clearly that's that's both of your guys' forte and expertise as well, so that makes sense to me. Um, I see you have a recurring character as uh, Rutger on, on Kevin Can Wait. I think it's been three or four episodes you've been in. How has the response been to, to, to your character in that show? And uh, can you give us the scoop on Chris Weidman? How is, he as, uh, how is his acting chops? Uh, okay, so let, let's first start with Chris, because Chris uh, was, uh, uh, appeared on the show before I, uh, did and and when I saw it, I literally I sent him a text. I go, dude, that's a natural. If this guy never took any acting classes, he was so comfortable. He was smiling. He had a good time. So you know, all that. A lot of people think, oh, smiling and all these emotions. They're very hard to pull off if you want to make it look uh, real. You know, so it has to come from a real place because otherwise, if you put a smile up, the fake smile, everybody's going to see that. So for him to be such so comfortable. I was uh, I was blown away with it, and then they asked me to come on the show. I did an, a small part in the first episode. They all liked it, and they asked me back. And then they said, "Hey, why won't we? Don't we get Chris in it too?" So Boss and Chris are both in the same episode. So Chris is the cop. I'm his crazy neighbor, Rutger, <laughs> as you mentioned already. And uh, it, it's it's a great thing, man. It, it's really great. I'm uh, I'm going back in two weeks. I'm going to start on the 21st. And have one show, then a week in between, and then I have like three in a row already. So it's uh, it's going to be fun. 
Awesome. Glad to hear it. So it sounds like we'll be able to watch you in action on CBS quite a bit in this next season. Yes, you will. You will. The recurring boss, Rutten. <laughs> All right. Very good. So there's a bunch of stuff I'd like to cover uh, and get your expert opinion on. But one last question outside of the MMA work. Uh, the business venture that, that you've recently gotten into with medical cannabis. Uh, where did it all start with, with CBD and how has it been helpful for you? You know, I had, an, uh, I, I had a painkiller problem. Not a lot of people know, but I, I've been speaking about it uh, lately. But it was in 2000, uh, what was it, 8, I think. No, no, in 2008, I stopped with everything. So um, after my last fight, I was so injured. You know, it starts all with one, one Norco, and uh, that becomes suddenly it starts escalating. And of course, we all get the drill, right? It go, yeah. goes to OxyContin, and then, you know, because it's safer for you. That's what the doctor says, you know, because there's not as much Tylenol in there, so it cannot hurt your liver. So, but slowly but surely, you're taking synthetic heroin. That's what you're taking. And uh, I realized really fast, thankfully, that I was, uh, that I was addicted. So I, I stopped it. I uh, did it with Suboxone, did it myself. It was really hard. I made a mistake. I took it too soon. And what that does, uh, you, you can read on the internet, what, what happens if Suboxone taken too soon? And people will, I mean, people jump off buildings. People go like completely nuts. You go from, from feeling great to, uh, to being in the second day of detox or third day. So like full on in five minutes yeah. and uh, if you take it to soon. So that was a nightmare and it took a while to get off and finally boom, 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 I stopped everything in 2008 so everything was good. But, you know, I've always, you know, have pains here, pains there and uh, it keeps on going. And I was watching on uh, uh, One American News there was a documentary about CBD uh, from Israel. They're very, they're ahead there. Like, from all the countries in the world they are the furthest ahead, I believe, in the, in the CBD field. And, and then, we watched it. It was a three-part interview. It's like six hours or something uh, documentary, and I was just blown away with it. So I started investigating in CBD. Uh, took a bunch of products. Didn't really do anything for me until then somebody, you know, uh, gave me a product that I really liked. That was the receptor product. And and what they told me is that if you completely do just CBD, then it doesn't work as well. You need to have a little bit of THC in there, even if it's zero point five percent. It's 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 so little. But you can, that you can send it through every, throughout every state in America legally. So it's almost nothing, but right away when I took that, I go like, wow, it's almost the same as a pain pill. You know, I mean, the pain, you get warm, the pain goes away, you get nice and relaxed. It was perfect. So I started talking about that product, and then the company found out that I talked about it, and they called me and they said, hey, would, would you like to be, a, you know, jump in with us and help us out a little bit? I said, sure. You know, because this is really going to help some uh, athletes, not only athletes, but kids in school. You know, all these kids that go to heroin. Heroin right now is like $5 a gram is what the, the, the sheriff told me. Uh, and, and that's what happens. They start in the, the, the medicine cabinet from their mom and dad with yeah. the Viking. Slowly but surely it increases. And then they can't afford it anymore. So they go to heroin because it's actually cheaper. And uh, if we can stop that. And people can educate people because right now everybody goes like, yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But nobody wants to try it. And thankfully, Receptor made a whole bunch of little testers so I can simply hand them out. And every single person goes back and they go, like, this is the craziest thing. It really works. I said, I told you. I would never say that it would work if it doesn't work, you know. So, yeah, I'm really stoked about it. And I hope that the people are going to be educated so more and more people will use it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, man. My father actually went through something similar with uh, uh, post-neck surgery, had some fused discs, 
they gave him fentanyl patches, and that became an addiction. And it was actually medical cannabis that, that got him off of stuff. And he had the battle with Suboxone as well, so I'm very familiar with that. And glad that you're advocating such a, such a great uh, movement in this country. And hopefully it begins to catch on more and maybe becomes uh, you know, federally legal as well uh, across the states for medical cannabis. But uh, very good to hear that. On to the realm of combat sports, your forte. Let's start with the commentary work for uh, Professional Fighting League. I know you've always had a, had a knack for commentating, and, and I'm sure you enjoy that a lot, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the company's new structure and how it will benefit athletes. You know, revolutionary stuff being done over there with Ray Seppo. Uh, do you think the model will attract new talent and be successful? I, I believe so. You know, once you start uh, throwing numbers out there, I think they will win a million dollars if they win next season. They're going to probably fight four or five times next year. And if they uh, and, and the fighter who gathers in every weight class, whoever who gathers the most points, let's say best finishes, shortest finishes, they, they put everything together, all the numbers, and they're going to figure out who are going to end up in the finals. And then when these two guys fight and the winner gets a million dollars, yeah, I think that uh, inspires a lot of new talent to come to that show because uh, unfortunately MMA we don't get paid a lot, you know. Still, yeah, the big stars, of course, but that's that's a handful. And the rest, it's very hard to live from uh, from the money that you get paid, actually. So, you know, I think it's uh, going to be successful. Yeah, I certainly hope so. When I had Ray Seffo on to, to, to explain it to us, uh, very interesting stuff. I, I still kind of don't understand the point structure of all of it and the playoff system. But nonetheless, I think that it should attract a lot of talent. And as you mentioned, uh, fighter pay being such a big issue, be a very good thing for up-and-coming athletes to have a home a place to go where they know they're going to be well taken care of. Uh, but let's waste no time here. We'll jump into the biggest news of the week. Paulie Malignaghi, Conor McGregor beef. What's your reaction to the photo being released and all the drama that's unfolded? And if you could, you know, tell us how this, this all relates to training partner etiquette in your opinion. Oh, man. It's like, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I... I... I have a very simple rule. I, I, I don't believe what I read on the internet. You know, I, it always starts out with that. I never read something and right away think, I always think it will be a lie. And from there on, I'm going to start investigating to get more articles and then see if it's actually true or not. So I'm not just reading one. And you have to do that as a reporter. I wish that fans would do that as well because sometimes they read the headline, oh, boss would chooses uh, so-and-so to win the fight. They say, ah, that's not true. And I say, did you listen to it? Right. Listen to it, what I said, because I say something completely different. I think that person just made that headline to attract people, but just listen to the interview. So with Paulie and everybody, Paulie's a really nice guy, and he, uh, Malinaji, uh, he's also the broadcast partner for Mauro Ronello at Showtime Boxing, and uh, they were talking about it already, and apparently, yeah, he, he didn't get paid, and, and there was something going on. I... I have no clue, and because I have no clue, I don't want to be in, in, in the middle of it. But what I do know is that, you know, I, I, I think McGregor, you know, and I, I love to say this, is going to knock him out within four rounds. And people go, why? I said, because he said so. And he's, been, <laughs> he's been on the money so many times now. You can't go against McGregor anymore. There's so much pressure on the... On Mayweather, I mean, the 50 and 0, every single person will tell him how great, how easy this fight is going to be. The guy never boxed a professional fight in his life. And now you're going to box that guy, it's going to be easy. And as a fighter, you do not want to hear that. The worst thing is that everybody automatically assumes you're going to, it's like fighting a girl for a guy. You can never win, you know. And, and against, uh, against McGregor, yeah, he can't really win. If he wins, he beats the guy for his first boxing pro boxing match. If he loses, 
that's his legacy, is down the drain. And everybody says, oh, he doesn't care about that. He only cares about money. I guarantee you, we all are, man. All the fighters, we, we got some egos. And we would like to go down in history as a really good guy. And then if he loses, there's somebody who never professionally boxed. You know, that's going to give him a lot of pressure. Then let's talk about the fact that he's a southpaw. Then let's talk about his, the, the long reach that McGregor has and his awkward stance. His movement is different. Everything is a little different. If you, if you spar, every professional fighter will tell you if they spar with new guys, they all get injured every time they get injured because they don't fight according to the rules yet, you know. And, and there's a certain set of rules in boxing that we, we don't know, but you, you automatically abide by them. And the people who break it, the, the mold, our people are creative. You see this in mixed martial arts also, you know, yeah. Sakuraba or whatever, you know, if you start getting creative and do different than other people, that's what I always tell my students, you're going to be successful because they're not used to it yet. And that's what I think he's going to have a problem with Mayweather. Now, of course, I understand. He's the best defensive boxer on the planet. I know all that. And, and he's the best gifted boxer. He is. He's way better. But just because Mayweather, uh, McGregor said it, I'm, uh, I'm going to go for McGregor, man. I want to root for him. Absolutely. I think the majority of the MMA community wants to root for him as well, not to mention all the controversy with Floyd and his history with domestic violence. I think a lot of guys are, uh, you know, against him just for that alone. But uh, with Paulie, he seems to have kind of gone off the rails with all this stuff, and I think a lot of people are starting to think that he's attempting to set up his own fight with McGregor next. I'm wondering, do you see that as a possibility? I don't know, you know, yeah, he just retired, but yeah, this might pull him back then, of course. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what his thing is there. I, listen, if, if I would be, okay, it, it started out, for what I understand, it started out that Paulie said some harsh words about McGregor, and then suddenly he gets invited to the McGregor camp, and if he wants to spar with him. And apparently that didn't go well. Now, when he came back, he was actually raving about it. He says, well, there's a method to the madness. You know, and I saw that interview from him, and, and you know, I think that uh, he's going to do much better than we all think he's going to do. And then, two weeks further, suddenly we have this whole thing going on, this commotion. So, I don't know what it is. Maybe the check didn't arrive, and that's why he's going, you know, he's, he starts complaining now that he doesn't, uh, that he's not taken care of. And that's why he starts. So, I, you know, what, once a feud is there and, and things like that happen... I, I don't know who's right and who's wrong. Like a picture when he lays on the ground doesn't say anything. You can yeah. just lay there and relax. You know, it's just I all taken out of context. You know, before you know it, I tell my daughters, I tell everybody, you have to understand both parties first before you can make a decision, say something. I burnt myself so many times with it because I listened to one person. He was so convincing. And then I realized he was just lying to me, you know. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I, I agree. There's two sides to every story. Until this whole thing completely unfolds, it, it's really tough to speculate. But the media is having a field day with it. Fans are having a field day with it. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, but just to stay on this, the Maymac, just for one more moment here, I think the majority of us uh, were, were really anticipating the promotion of this fight, and we thought it would be the best part. Mixed reviews thus far. Uh, give us your opinion on the world tour. What were your big takeaways from that, if you got to see it all, and thoughts on the drama of it? You know, I just saw a little clip here and there, and it's, uh, you know, if you know McGregor, he knows that he's, he, he just controls it. You know, that's, he, he's a very smart individual, knows exactly what to say, how to say it, uh, don't use too much uh, fall language. So that I, I, I really enjoy that also, because you don't need to do that. In every freaking sentence, you know, some people, they keep doing it, and they think the more they 
they throw a profanity, the more people think that they are cool or something. I have no clue how that works in the mind of somebody. But, you know, once in a while, throwing one in there, that is much more powerful than doing it all the time. And he knows that. He understands it. He's also very smart. Every time when he, he talks, it, it's not the same story he says. If you read an interview with me from 10 years ago and you ask me one question you're asking me now, I'm probably going to say about the same answer. You know, <laughs> M- McGregor doesn't have that. McGregor can make the same story, but he completely flips it somehow. You know, it's a gift. Like Mauro Ronello has a gift like that as well. They just look at a story and they can make their own story. They can edit it while they're speaking. It's unbelievable. And uh, that just by itself, I, I think is going to gather a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to watch. I said five and a half million pay-per-view buys. Everybody said I was nuts because 4.6 was uh, Mayweather Pac-Man. And, uh, but now people already say, yeah, it might go over 5 million. You know, So I, I wonder. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you there. I think uh, one of the one of the important points that you've made there is uh, the ability to promote a fight without having to cuss every other word. You know, my grandfather had always said, the more you swear in a sentence, it just goes to show the the lack of your grasp of the English language to express yourself. Uh, so, I agree with you 100 percent there. But changing gears here, outside of Mayweather McGregor, the return of John Jones has had the media, the fans, everybody a buzz here. How did you rate his performance? I, I thought it was great. You know, I, I was looking all about uh, that uh, interview. That was what I just said. I, I thought that Cormier was going to get, uh, I was leaning more towards towards uh, Cormier to win this fight. But I, And then I said, but I have to see the first round with Jones. Because in the fight against o- OSP, to me, he didn't look good. OSP ran out of gas. He still couldn't finish him. And I understand there was his comeback and there was his way up to go to the title. So maybe he just played it safe. But it wasn't John Jones as we knew him. And uh, and this, once he started with the front kicks the whole time, the oblique kicks, the front kicks, the oblique kicks, you know, I go like, okay, he's throwing a lot of them. And most of the time when people do that, it's going to be a setup to something later into the fight. And I'm almost guarantee you that that, really happened in round number three, that they said, okay, now it's time just instead of the front kick, throw a high kick, see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and people go, I, I tell these game plans in my class all the time, you know, I go to a certain, uh, let's say, deliver, and I say, okay, now if he's not down, uh, at this moment when he's not down yet, but he's hurt, what do you want to hit? And everybody, of course, will say, go for the body. And I say, no, you do not want to hit the body because he's protecting that right now. You just hurt him there. So you got to go back to the head. Now, to do that is really logic, but to do it in fighting under pressure is a very hard thing to do. A lot of people don't realize that. So, because I guarantee you that in round one and two, there were moments that probably Jones thought to himself, I can do it now if I want. I can do it now. I think he will fall for it now. But they stick to the game plan, and then they do it in round number three. So it was a very smart thing. I think that Cormier did good in round number two. I think he took that round. He started pushing the fight again like he did the first time when they fought. But, yeah, the setup, man. You know, let, let him get used to a pattern. That's what I tell my students all the time. Give him a pattern, do it again and again and again. Now they're getting used to the pattern, and then you break the pattern. And that's your knockout. Absolutely. That's one of your uh, one of your timeless classics there, body, body, head. Uh, so I, I couldn't agree more, uh, you know, switching things up. And like you said there, it's, it's easy to do that in the gym, but to execute it in the fight is a completely different animal. But as you mentioned there, DC was doing well up until the finish. We all saw how hard he took the loss and how he spoke to Joe Rogan in the cage, the crying. What do you, what do you think is next for Daniel? Where does he go from here? You know, I have no clue. I, I, he's, he seems to me a guy, well, you know, three times is a charm, right? 
He's, he's not a quitter. This guy is so unbelievable. The things that he did in his life already, what he's gone through, you know, the guy is just a fighter in and out. So I, I truly believe that he will continue to fight. And then hopefully after a few other fights, he can, you know, go for a title shot again. And we don't know. Like, Joe looks invincible to me, you know, but so did Anthony Pettis to me. I thought he's going to be a champion for a very long time. And, uh, and then, boom, suddenly he loses. So you never know what happens. And, and suddenly he's back in the run. So I don't know. I think in his mind, he still wants a rematch again with John Jones. That's just the way he is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what the next step is for him. And, uh, you know, it's it's always been tough for a guy to get a third title shot against the champion. But if anybody can do it, I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel can be that guy. Uh, so you mentioned you would pick DC to the, for the win. I, I know you explained it there. You were leaning towards him for the various reasons of uh, Jones' last performance and DC's dedication to the game. But you'd also mentioned something about uh, hearing that John was still partying and hadn't really changed his ways. I'm wondering... Could you elaborate on that, and what did you hear, and, and, and do you think the Jones will be able to keep it together moving forward? Well, you know, there, there we go again. These are the rumors, you know. So once you start with rumors, I, I, that's what I said on the podcast. I go like, yeah, you know, some people say he's completely clean. Other people say, oh, he's still partying. So I'm all the way drunk in, in, in Las Vegas, stumbling at an elevator and uh, doing God knows what. So, you know, <clears throat> you, I don't know. I cannot give, give that for 100%. The only thing I can say is I really hope that he doesn't. I really hope that he, with his power that he has and his skill set, I mean, can you imagine this guy's going to be a role model outside the cage as well? How good that's going to be for, for kids that look up to him. And he, you can do so much good with that. And uh, ho- hopefully he stays. Ho- hopefully he's going to keep doing that. But we never know, man. Yeah. Listen, this is a young guy who, who became a champion at a very young age got suddenly a lot of money at a very young age who got cars thrown at him a badly here and you know they for free hey but you know and now you start living a kind of different life of course you attract all the wrong people because all the people all the leeches they want to be your friends and they're going to be around and those are the ones that probably offered them the cocaine in the first place and that's right. how it starts you know yeah. so I, I, I that's what i said the first time when he got caught i hope that he just fired everybody out of that circle the person who got got him to go get that guy out he's not your friend if that's a true friend, he would never want you to take it because he wants you to be the world champion because since you are his friend. So people, he has to figure that out himself. He's got a great family. I was in his house one time with his daughters and his wife, and he's got a really beautiful family. So I, I really hope he's going he's gonna to be okay now. Yeah, it's unfortunate. When, when guys become that big of a star, they tend to surround themselves with yes-men, and we all know how that story unfolds. But when you look ahead for the next step for John Jones, Obviously, all the hype around Lesnar's coming back, and uh, you know everybody's talking about that that potential fight. Do you think that's realistic, given the new drug testing procedures? You know, having to enter the USADA pool and and Brock's suspension. I mean, and, and if Jones move up, if he was to move up, shouldn't he fight Stipe? You know, I I would love to him to fight Stipe. That would be great. I would love to see him fight Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar's not going to fight him. I truly don't believe that. First of all, with the USADA, what you already said. Second of all, I I, I think he knows he's going to be in trouble. I think he's going to get knocked out, and he knows that. Jones is that good. You know, he's that good of a wrestler also. will stop the takedown, even when he's good, because now people go like, yeah, but but he's a really good wrestler. Yeah, but he's 265 pounds. He's a little bit slower than uh, Daniel Cormier. Trust me on that. (laughs) You know, so Jones is going to be much faster on his feet, you know, and avoid all the takedowns, and he's just going to slaughter him. That's what I believe. I don't think that Lesnar will have a chance unless it goes to the ground and he'll be on top. But I, I don't see 
see that happen, although it's five rounds. But I don't think it will go five rounds if that would happen. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where we keep seeing it time and time again. Big money fights. The company's really looking for the big paydays, so uh, I I would rather avoid the kind of freak show thing. And and like you said, I'd I'd rather him fight Stipe. There's a lot more integrity to that fight. But I'm wondering, do you think if that was either one of those fights are a possibility, should Jones be allowed to hold up the division? And you know, shouldn't he have a rematch with maybe Gustafsson, or uh, should he fight? Out, uh, Volkan uh, Ozdemir, or you know, or maybe Gustafson fights Ozdemir for a number one contender spot, and then fights Jones. How do you think the division should play out moving forward, uh, assuming that Jones doesn't go to heavyweight? Well, you got it already, you know, Gustafson versus uh, Ozdemir. You know, that would be a really great fight, and the winner of that fights uh, Jones, and then hopefully, in between that, Jones can do his crazy fight against somebody in the heavyweight division. You know, but then so that he's ready back, ready to be go back to defend his title at the light heavyweight division. So, yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of interest in uh, the, the rematch with Gustafsson. And, man, Volkan Ozdemir, he's taken the division by storm. Uh, what did you think of his performance and his uh, meteoric rise to the top of the division? You know, he's, he's just a very solid striker. He's the more crisp striker. And uh, a guy like that against Gokan Saki, that is going to be a really good fight. Two great strikers, you know, although I think Saki is actually a better striker, but then again, Ozdemir probably has takedowns and everything as well. He's a, he's a big martial artist, so he's not going to stand with Saki if he's smart. If he's got an ego or an ego problem, should I say, then he wants to stand with him, but then it's like the Wild West. You're going to, you know, you might get hit and you might not. So I, I, as a fighter, I never got out of fight. I never understand why other fighters do that. You know, if you know you're better on the ground, Take the fight to the ground. Yeah. You have a boss that the people think I'm afraid on the feet. I say, who cares? Are they paying your bills? Are they doing it? I say, blame it on me. Say that, say that password is said. I could not, you know, keep standing. I say, blame it on me, dude. I want you to win in the easiest way. Take him to the ground. That's what I would do. I, we'll skip ahead here a bit. You mentioned Gokan Saki, scheduled for his UFC uh, debut in Japan. Very excited for that. When I heard that he was an addition to the roster, man, I, incredible stuff. He's one of the best kickboxers to have ever have done it. Uh, very exciting fighter. Definitely looking forward to what he has to, what he can bring to MMA. But I'm wondering, how do you think he'll do? And should he have taken more time to to work on his grappling? You know, difference in size makes so much of a. It, it's such a big deal when it comes to grappling. Should he have taken more time to prepare himself properly? for the other aspects of MMA. I, you know, I, I think he did. What, what I believe is that because his MMA fight that he has was a long time ago and he lost that one. And since then, I don't, that was it. So I think since then, he has been working on the ground, 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 ground. He understood that he was not going to go back at the glory. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but he, he didn't go back to glory. So the next best, big step for him was UFC. Well, if you want to go to the UFC, you need to understand the ground game. So I assume that he right away started training, hopefully, in mixed martial arts. You know what? I've got to call him. I give him a call, and I'm going to ask him. <laughs> yeah, Gokhan's a great guy. Looking forward to his debut. And uh, like I said, uh, very exciting addition to the roster. But just to go back to UFC 214 real quick here, we've seen a lot of criticism against Tyron Woodley. I'm wondering, was he at fault for not pushing the action? And should Dana White have been so harsh against him after the fight? No. Listen, uh, he's the champ. 
he's right there. He knows that if he overcommits to a strike, he might be taken down, taken down by Maya. And Maya, as we all know, is just phenomenal on the ground. And there's a high possibility that if he gets on top of you or gets a hold of you, sideball, whatever it is, he can go for a submission. So if you're the champ, you don't want to lose that. Now, on the top of that, he also hurt his hand, I believe, right? Or his shoulder he threw out. Something happened in the first round already yeah. that he couldn't really commit to the strikes anymore. You know, he will always have that. Once you have that, you remember that Anderson uh, Silva had that for a while. And then I, I always started laughing. I said, look at his record, dude. Look at his record, how many people he knocks out. And if he fights two times or two a decision, suddenly he's stupid and he's avoiding the fight. And it's all fans talking. We have absolutely no clue how it is to be in there. Now, on the other side, you go like, okay, but Woodley said before that he was the same as with Thompson, right? This is going to be a completely different fight. I'm going to go after him, boom, and then you have to fight like against Stephen Thompson. And this happened, of course, in this fight as well. He said that he was going to go full power, and it's going to be an exciting fight, and then this fight happened. So it's it's like... It's like a movie. When, when I tell somebody, uh, when I watch the movie, and let's say it's a good movie, but I, I, I bring it to him, they say, oh my God, this is the best movie ever. You're right, you're going to see it. And I say, unbelievable. My God, I mean, I still, it's in my mind. I can't sleep. I can, you know, I can make this whole story. Now, if he goes to the movie, and the mo- movie sucks a little bit, maybe a little bit, it's a complete failure just because I set the bar so high. So fighters should stop doing that. They should stop saying, oh, I'm going to demolish him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Don't say that. Just fight. Why would you say that? Now you better do it, because if you don't, well, you didn't live up to your word. People don't going to understand that. And that's the thing, I believe, is the problem right now. That he just, you know, says before that it's going to happen, but then again, he doesn't know that he's going to get injured as well. So, stylistically, I kind of knew this was going to happen. You know, and, 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 and so did the matchmakers from the UFC, I guarantee you that. And I think for Dana to trash him like that, he, he shouldn't do that. I think it's not a good thing because, you know, a lot of people listen to him and automatically now agree with him. And just because of that, he's going to get way more backlash in his next fight. If it's a little bit boring, it's still an exciting fight, a little bit boring, people are going to crush him again just because the head of the company, you know, said he was a boring fighter. So, you know, it's it's never good to do that. I I would always keep my comments for myself, to myself. Yeah, I mean to 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 trash your your champion like that publicly, not not a very good look for the company or 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 on your part for that matter. But I agree, injury, all of those things considered, and you know when you, when you when you give a prediction and and say what you're going to do and you don't go out there and do it, doesn't help your stock at all. So, let's see what what happens moving forward with him, but also on that card, we saw Chris Cyborg finally be crowned a UFC champion. What did you make of the fight, and uh, what do you think of the division with not many opponents at all for her to fight? Who do you think should be next? Well, I really wanted the Rondami, but uh, Rondami didn't want it, which blew me away, actually, because I think striking-wise, she will be better than uh, Chris Cyborg. Now, I said striking skill-wise, I'm talking about, but and, and, and I, I have to say, when I saw the last videos, I was posting some videos from Chris uh, on Twitter, in where she works out and hits the tie pads and the focus mitts. That's a very scary thing when you see her hit, you know. And I think if an opponent looks at that, they go like, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it's better not to fight. <laughs> but if you, if you bring this back to Yorina Bars at the Lion fights, right, tie boxing against Chris Cyborg. Yeah. Yorina Bars is 36-0. She's a Dutch girl as well. She, they know each other very good. You know, she, uh, Rondami is at the same level striking-wise. And Yorina Bars actually beat 
Chris Cyborg in Thai boxing. So with that said, I would say, you know, you know, avoid the clinch and use your, your, your length, your reach, and stay outside the reach the whole time at footwork. And she, I, I truly believe she, that would have been a really great fight for her. But uh, I, I understand, you know, the Cyborg is just a really, it's a, it's a dangerous opponent. And, but, and, and what I don't want anymore is that people go constantly, oh, she's a cheater, she's, she's not. She's not a cheater, absolutely not. Every single guy who got caught with the testosterone, whatever they did, you know, when you see them the next fight, they look completely different. There's no more veins, they're soft. And, and, and Cyborg, after she got clipped, so to say, you know, she never changed her appearance. She looked exactly the same as she always did. And that tells me that she's not using. Also, you have to understand, she got six to eight times tested before every fight right now. They took her out of a Samba class you know, to give her a test from the USADA. So she's so tested so many times now before a fight. She looks exactly the same as she always did. She's not using, I guarantee you that. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, she's the most tested fighter so far under the USADA era. So I agree with you, man. You got to give her the benefit of the doubt now, if not just exonerate her completely. Tested so many times, still looks the same as you mentioned. You make a great point there. And uh, definitely looking forward to to what's next for her and hopefully they can get some depth to that division and hopefully uh, build it up and give her some good challengers to uh, really build her up as a superstar. But speaking of superstars, after, after UFC 214, we're talking about uh, Dana White said, you know, unfortunately within the trashing of Tyron Woodley, he said that GSP would be fighting Michael Bisping, the return of GSP. What do you make of that fight with Bisping? Has GSP taken too much time off? Will he be successful in his return? And uh, what do you think of the fight overall holding up the 185-pound strap? You know, I, I, I don't know what to think about it. I, I, I think it's great. I think it's great for uh, GSP to come back. I, I love it. I only hope that he is, is okay, that he's not the same GSP as when he stopped. You could, I could tell when I saw him fight that he didn't enjoy it anymore. He wasn't there enjoying and, and having a good time as you do when you're young in your career, you know, you actually look forward to the fight, it's exciting, and everything is good. But you could tell that, you know, he just, he won fights, but at the end, you know, he got a lot of, his face would look really bad after the fight. Yeah, he still won, but, you know, for him, he was not as dominant anymore. I think something happened there mentally, maybe it was too much, and constantly being on top, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot from you. So I truly believe, because George is that kind of guy who, who pretty much said, I'm not going to fight anymore. But suddenly after a couple of years, he starts feeling the bug. He starts training with these guys who are doing really good right now. And, and he, well, he knows that he can manhandle these guys in the gym. And once you know that, that it's still there, and now your mind is back to what it was, yeah, I would, uh, I would love to see that. That was against Bisping. I don't, you know, there we go. It's going to be striking versus takedown. So you, the, we know this is going to happen because the striking forte is Bisping. He's the, he's the more crisp striker. Don't get me wrong, George is good there as well, but George is much better on the ground than Bisping, so why wouldn't he go and try to take the fight to the ground? And that's what I think is going to happen, and it might not be such an exciting fight if that will happen. Yeah, you, you make a great point there. Taking the time off, finding the dedication again, if your heart's not in it and you're not enjoying it, it's not the place to be at the end of the day. I mean, you're going out there to injure each other it's violent so if your heart's not in it not dedicated 100 percent, makes no sense to do so uh but in in regards to 185 i mean the title picture got got a little mixed up there we had robert whitaker defeat ul romero 
Bisping's been having everybody on the back burner at this point. The entire division calling him out, saying he's he's ducking the fights. What do you make of that? And and what do you make of the division? Uh, you know, being held up for for the for the real title, not just the interim belt. You know, this is the thing. I think that if Josh goes back, and 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 and, and I'm just gonna uh, uh, brainstorm now. So let, if, when he wins this fight, he's going to have to defend it against uh, Whitaker. That's he has to, and it has to be in the closal, and it has to be in the contract. Because otherwise he comes in and he wins the title and he might be gone again. We don't know. You know, so I, I, I truly believe because otherwise that belt again is up for grabs. I'd rather have somebody who takes it from somebody because that's, you know, you really deserve it then. And I think Whitaker is that kind of guy who really deserves it. I mean, the way he was fighting against Romero, I was there. It was, man, I was blown away. What a tough guy. And the way he set it up also constantly, the front kicks, you see what he did? He's just getting tired. Interrupt the breathing pattern the whole time and throw him out, throw him out, throw him out. Every time when he needs to flex his abs, he's not breathing nicely. It's all interrupted, and that's what makes a guy like that, who has a lot of muscle, who carries a lot of muscle, makes him tired, and that's why he started taking over that fight. So, yeah, Whitaker, man, he, he blew me away. Uh, White man, he blew me away with uh, with his comeback. That would be great to see what he's going to do next. And then, uh, But hopefully, like if Bisping wins, I don't know if Bisping wins, if he still keeps fighting, because I know, you know, he's also... There's been talk about it a little bit, I think. Maybe he wanted to retire here and there. I don't know if he's going to fight, uh, and uh, if he's going to keep on fighting. And if GSP would win, is he going to defend the title? That's my biggest question. Yeah, it would be very unfortunate if he took the belt, then refused to defend it, vacated it. That would really suck for the division. You make a great point there. Uh, but changing gears here yet again, 155. We saw the debut of Justin Gaethje. Man, what a fight. Absolutely incredible. I know you're familiar with him uh, at World Series of Fighting. What did you think of the fight? How do you think he matches up with the elite in the UFC? And do you have any concerns about his longevity given his fighting style? <laughs> yeah. He's not going to have a long career. It's uh, not in the UFC. You know, it's uh, already now. He got rocked so many times so hard. And it happened to him also uh, against Palomino at the World Series of Fighting and with some other fighters. Gillard also. You know, they were just really tough fights. And I understand it's the way he wants to fight, and it's an exciting way, and everybody loves it. But all these people are not his family. And if he wants to, you know, have kids and everything, and he wants to be able to speak to those kids in a normal language instead of slurring your words, I would really hone up on my, on my striking skills. Listen, this guy can hit so hard, he does not need to load up. He's such a great wrestler. If he takes somebody down and grounds and pounds him, he will knock him out by doing that. You know, so why would you take the risk every time to make it a, sh- a slugfest and while you get hit in between as well? If this one punch comes really, really hard, you know, that's it. Once he gets knocked out, most of the time, there's a few examples, but most of the time the career from the fighter is going to go downhill from that moment. So I hope that he tones it up a little bit. He started out really well. You know, he, he let actually Johnson miss a few shots, and I go, wow. He changed his style, and then, boom, there was the old Gagey again. And it's exciting. I'm not saying that. I love it. It's great to see. I just want to see him fight for a longer time and make some money. And unfortunately, if if he's not getting paid big, big money to go out there and put his health on the line like that, is it really worth it in the end of the day at all? So Yeah, but you know, point there if you, as well. is, what, what he's doing right now, that, that's, that's the good thing. The really good thing that comes from this is everybody right now wants to see Gaethje fight. 
Yeah. That's it. Every single person who saw that fight wants to see KG fight. So that's a really good thing that he did. So it makes it more valuable. You know, so once he goes to a main card, if he pulls off another victory like this, and it's another brawl like that, and then maybe another one, and then maybe he goes to a main event so he can get, get a cut on the pay-per-view, maybe even go, go for the title. You know, a lot of people are going to watch it because they know they're going to be, uh, there's going to be a brawl. And he's going to make a, a, a lot of money. So is that, that side is good, what he's doing. Instead of talking, he shows it in a very uh, crazy way that people just want to see him fight. But it's not a healthy thing to do. <laughs> At the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> not healthy. Right. Yeah, you're right. Let, let's his fighting speak for itself. Doesn't need to do the trash talk. I mean, you could see him on the stage at that summer kickoff press conference. It was kind of, you could see he was reserved, didn't really have much to say back to Michael Johnson, but, man, when when the, when they said go and that bell rang, he certainly brought it. Uh, so, listen, Boss, you've been more than generous with your time. I'm just going to breeze through a couple more of these questions here. Uh, one thing I'd like to talk about, though, is the, is the UFC exodus. You know, we see a lot of guys moving over to Bellator, leaving the organization. There's been all kinds of reasoning behind it, whether it be the Reebok deal, relationships with Dana White fighter pay, whatever the case is, why didn't they move or try harder to keep Gegard Mousasi? And what do you think the reasoning is behind so many guys leaving? Uh, yeah, well, they're not happy. I was talking about it with the paying, you know. it's uh, If a guy makes $60,000 for a fight, or and that's 60000 uh, when he wins for a lot of people, because otherwise it's going to be 30000 30000 fighting once half a year. There's no way you can live from that. After taxes and the trainers and everything, there's no way you can live from that. So the way they comp- uh, compromise it, it, the, before Reebok, at least they could make a lot of money with sponsors. But now when Reebok came, suddenly they couldn't anymore. Now they get like paid 5,000 bucks and the bigger fighters get maybe 20. And, you know, there's some special deals here and there. But, you know, it's not like what they normally had. A lot of the fighters that I know, they were getting way paid way more for a uh, uh, got paid uh, way more in sponsors yeah. than they did for their real fights. So when they go to Bellator and they're, it's legal for them to do that there, and they, they, you know, why not move there? And the pay probably is really good as well. I, I'm pretty sure that Roy McDonald makes a lot of money right now at uh, at Bellator. So I don't know, man. It's uh, it, I, I I would put the, the fighters' pay up if I was the UFC. I would really do that. You know, make keep the fighters happy because too many people are speaking up right now. Yeah, and, and Musasi was the one that really, really blew me away. I mean, t- one of the best guys in the world, recognizable name, uh, fans like him, a lot of support, funny guy, uh, uh, a real natural, uh, uh, genuine character, and you let him walk. Uh, I was blown away by that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because, you know, like you said, but he's he's not exciting in interviews. True, and, true. And, and, but, but that's that's how sad it is right now. In this life. Look at Demetrius Johnson. Man, this guy should make millions and millions of dollars. He's a pound-for-pound best guy out there. You know, but he's simply not a talker. He just does his talking in the, in the cage, and he shows how good he is, finishes people at that weight. I mean, he's a really impressive guy. So, I don't know, man. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah I agree. Absolutely a shame. Uh, to stick with Bellator here for a moment, though, Chael Sonnen said recently that that he uh, that his next fight will be Chuck Liddell. <laughs> Why on earth would they make that fight? Do you think that fight should happen? And what do you think of the career of Fedor? Should he continue fighting? Oh man, I think uh, you know I, I would watch Chuck. Chuck is always one of my favorite, been one of my favorite guys. 
I mean, this is the guy who leaves it all in there. He also took a long time off now, probably feels really, really good. Uh, he actually jumped up in my gym. It was so weird. Like last week, I'm there to close up because my daughter's working there as well. And I'm there to help her close up. And uh, I'm sitting behind the desk. My, my daughter's cleaning the gym. And suddenly this guy jumps from the counter up. And it's chocolate hell. <laughs> and I go, what are you doing here? How is it? He says, man, I'm passing you. And I see somebody. I see you from the back. And I go, man, that looks like boss. And then I look like two yards up. And there says, boss with this elite MMA. So I realized it is you. And he was there. We have a rock climbing place like, uh, above the gym. Uh, not ours, but uh, 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 the place is there. And he was there with his kids and his wife, Heidi, to uh, to to climb rocks. That was what he was doing. But, you know, going back to Chuck, I always liked Chuck. I really would like to see the fight. I don't know if it's going to be an exciting fight. Uh, it's the same thing. If it goes to the ground, not many people took Chuck to the crowd. Chuck's takedown defense is really good. And I know Chill is a really good wrestler, but still, it's a big cage. There's a lot of space behind you. As long as you make sure his back's not against the cage, he can avoid the takedown, and then striking-wise, well, we all know the kind of power that he possesses. So that's going to be a long night, or probably a short night for Chiel Sonnenden, because then if that connects, he might be out. But Chiel is Chiel, man. He's surprising every time, and, and he's coming forth. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's going to be a good fight, but it's, we know exactly the game plan here. We have another one. Striking across the ground, and uh, whoever can succeed to keep that game plan up and up is going to be the one who wins. Yeah, yeah, true, true. I, I just feel like for Chuck Liddell, like you said, with, with people's families there, and uh, you're right, he took some time off. The brain is probably healed, but you know all of the damage he's taken. I would really hate to see anything further happen to him in that regard. So uh, I personally would feel that this is kind of a freak show fight. I, I'd rather avoid it, but at the same time, Chuck is a fan favorite. I've always enjoyed watching him fight. He is a legend. But in, in regards to Fedor there. We've seen him on the on the downslope of his career. I don't know whether he's in it for the money or whatever the case is, but what's your take on him? Should he continue fighting or should he hang them up? The thing with Fedor is it's not for the money. I don't believe that. I think he made enough money in, in, in Russia that goes a long way. A lot of people know him as in the parliament. I mean, he, you know, he, it's not the money. It's just because he wants it. And, and, you know, to say no to a person who really wants it, it's not going to happen. He's not going to listen. He's going to keep on uh, keep on fighting. To me, he is always Fedor. He will never lose any statue. But, uh, yeah, I don't like to see this happening to a person that, when I saw him fight at the Pride Fighting Championships, he was a god. I mean, he was destroying everybody. And the craziest thing, and the, remember with Rentleman, the suplex, and he landed oh, yeah. on his head, and then, boom, he's out of it, and he submits him right away. I go, whoa, this guy is insane. So uh, I, I hold on to those memories. I love the guy, but I would love for him to stop fighting competing okay very good i would agree with you there legend of the sport always an honor and a privilege to watch him compete but it sucks to not see him in that in that form that he once was uh so i guess just to touch on this one other subject here i saw this was uh, announced in risen sakuraba versus hendo in a grappling match sounds really exciting to me what's your take on that and uh how cool was it to see sakuraba finally introduced uh inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. I loved it, you know, and, and unfortunately I was inducting uh, Murray Smith, so I was there, so I uh, I saw him again. That, that was a long time ago. Well, actually, the last time I saw him was in Singapore for one championship. I was there to do a summit. I was talking, and he, he was there as well. He's just such a funny guy, you know, and uh, to see him 
getting that award that that you know he's one of the best guys ever i mean the, the, in, a thousand, in a thousand years from now everybody still will know the name of sakuraba same thing with him he lost a lot of fights at the end of his career but somehow he never lost an, an, an ounce of respect towards the whole world because everybody just loves the guy and how creative it was and what he did you know beating four gracies that was something I mean, they were dominating at the time, and then he comes in and he doesn't beat one, two, three, but four of them. You know, that's something that can never be done anymore. So, uh, yeah, he, he cemented himself into the UFC Hall of Famer. I'm happy they gave it to him. Uh, the grappling match against Hendo, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I would say Sakuraba has got a really great uh, ground game. I think he might... Uh, no, I, I think it's going to distance. I think it will go to distance. Uh, that is the same thing with his body positioning and everything that he knows. He's probably uh, going to avoid it. But if this comes to submission, it's going to come from Sakuraba, not from Dan. I don't believe that. Yeah, it should be exciting regardless. And uh, as you mentioned, long overdue, very happy for Sakuraba to finally be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. So, boss, listen, we'll wrap things up here in just a second. I just wanted to get your favorite fights of 2017. Who are you most impressed with, and what fights are you most looking forward to? Uh, Holloway, Aldo. I really like that fight. I was really uh, impressed with Holloway. I'm uh, I'm saying this almost every time they ask me about him. I was so cool a while ago when he fought Dustin Poirier. That was his first fight in the UFC, and I believe he lost in the first round. And we talked about him. We talked about that fight on Inside MMA afterwards. Uh, they said, what did you think of the fight? I said, well, he got caught. I said, but keep your eyes on this kid. He's going to be a world champion. I guarantee you that. That's what I said on Inside MMA. He lost in the first round, but still I saw, I said, he's going to be good. This is the genus for the first time. He was 19 or something when he entered, you know, but you could see the star quality in the guy. And now to have him as the champion, you know, that blew me away. And the fight, the way he did it against Aldo also, I'm, I'm super impressed, man. He, he is... We talked about it on a, on a show. We had him uh, on, a, on the Ruta Ronello, the podcast. And he's like a McGregor in that sense that in his mind, he cannot lose. Yeah. And he's so convinced that he cannot lose. Those guys are just very, very hard to beat. So, and then Whitaker against Joel Romero. That was one of my favorite fights. I loved that a lot. Cerrone, uh, Masvidal. I like that fight. Of course, we talked about it already. Gaethje versus Johnson. That was a slugfest. You know, I, 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 I like a lot of fights, man. It's um, for, for me, all the way back, a lot of people don't know, Matt Brown versus Eric Silva. You remember oh, yeah. that fight? <laughs> oh, man, that's one of my favorite fights to watch. You know, both of them go down, go back up, and then the other one goes down, cuts back up, and constantly back and forth. It was, uh, it was a crazy fight. So, yeah, Cormier Jones, I really enjoyed watching that fight as well. Gustafsson versus Teixeira. That was not a bad fight at all. Ah, uh, who's more there? Um, I saw, what was it? Uh, Ortiz versus, not not the fastest knockout that he had here. Then he lost the fight before, but before, Smolka, against Smolka. That was, uh, I really liked the way they were doing the ground fighting. It was very fluent. It looked really beautiful. I uh, I enjoyed watching the fight as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. That being able to see a uh, fluidity of ground game, a lot of transitions. Like, for instance, one for me that always stuck out was uh, Carl Parisian, Nick Diaz, or Nick Diaz versus uh, Diego Sanchez. Those were some of my favorite grappling matches uh, in MMA. But 
a lot of great fights this year. Looking forward to all the great fights going forward here. Looking forward to everything that you've got going on. I'll certainly be tuning in to Kevin Can Wait in the next next season. Uh, but before we wrap things up, man, any products you'd like to plug? I know the the Body Action System, O2 Trainer, stuff like that, Receptra. Anything you'd like to plug before we let you go, man? Yeah, you know, the, the O2 Trainer. It's what I tell people. Listen, guys, it's 50 bucks. You know, if you think about it, oxygen is the most important ingredient in the body. And that, the second one will be water, and then it will be food. You don't have food, three weeks, you're dead. Three, three, three days without water, you're dead. Three minutes without oxygen, you're dead. <laughs> so focus, focus on the oxygen. I'll say, if you, um, we all focus on food, putting food in our body, fuel system. But what do you also focus on in the car? You know, the carburetor that it gets enough air, is everything open? Because the more air goes in, the, the higher burn you have and the better your body works. Same as with the engine in the car. So focus on that. Make it stronger. And if, you, if there's a device out there, and now it's suddenly, now it's proven, because it's so funny in the beginning, everybody was giving me crap. They said, oh, but boss, you have resistance breathing in, oh, in only. But you, have to, you need to have resistance breathing out as well. I said, no, 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 that's where everybody's wrong. And I said, don't worry. I will, I will, I will, uh, I will make sure that everybody's going to find out that I was right. And now all the medical tests say that if you control air in and out, it actually doesn't work. Yes, you know, of course, afterwards you feel great because you just suffocated yourself. But with this thing, with the O2 trainer, this 100% works. You know that Usain Bolt and three other gold medalists—they all do inspiratory muscle training. When I caught the science, called the scientist who did a bad review over my about my competition. Uh, when I had my manager call him, I said, told my manager, can you find out who the guy is who wrote it, that scientist, because I want to send him an O2 trainer. <clears throat> so he trains everybody, right? He trains Usain Bolt, three other gold medalists, Carlos Parza, the, the, of no, the, what's it, the boxer, um, I forgot her name now, uh, the female boxer, silver medalist, Dominic Cruz is there, Phil, uh, Phil Davis is there. There's a lot of people training that guy. So as soon as my manager called him and he said, hey, I'm calling uh, in regarding with Boss Rutten. And he's, the answer was, oh, the O2 trainer? We're already doing that. And boom, <laughs> and this guy, this guy has 18 medical published journals wherein it's proven, not clinically tested, but it's clinically proven what the O2 trainer does for you. And you, you do only have to do breathing exercises with it. There's a breathing exercise takes you four minutes a day. That's the only thing you need to do. My asthma, completely cured. All my friends' asthma, everybody was using an inhaler, completely cured. And you can only imagine what it does for, for horn instrument players, for scuba divers, for athletes. Everybody who uses their lungs needs to have this thing. And since everybody's using it, I would say even if you're a regular person, if you do four minutes in the morning, it's the only thing you need to do, you will feel that for two hours after that. You go, man, this is, it's really crazy. And it forces you to breathe the correct way. A lot of people breathe wrong. They lift the shoulders when they breathe in. You have to use your core to do that. Now, if you do the breathing exercises with the O2 trainer, there's no way you can pull air in using your, raising your shoulders. You have to use your core. So what it does is it, it, it corrects your breathing technique, and just because of that, you're going to increase in life as well. So I'm just blown away with it. I'm, uh, I can't wait until the tests come out. I only have like 7,000 in stock right now. I want to have 20 before I go to go with a Dr. Ross because I have a hook in uh, – to that show and then together with the scientists who trains those four gold medalists from the Olympics, from the last Olympics, I think the product is going to, is going to rise up. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you, man, not only for athletes, but just for day-to-day life. And it's very good to hear. I remember the last time we spoke, uh, I think that the, 
the 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 clinical side of it wasn't proven yet. It's nice to hear that that you have been uh, justified in all of that, and the 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 evidence is there, the science is there. And for anybody that would like to to find any of your products, find you on social media. BossRootenMMA.com, is that correct? Uh, yeah, no, BossRooten.com, that's my uh, my website, the BossRootenMMA on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then Facebook is just BossRooten. The big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract ever. And keep the phone a number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions.